Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right. Good morning. Hey, everybody. My name is Pastor Charlie. I'm one of the pastors here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Jim, is on vacation. And so if you want, write him a Facebook message. Tell him how much you're thankful, how much you missed him. He'll really appreciate that. Um, But we are going to be pausing. If you've been coming here the last uh, few weeks, eight weeks, we're going to pause our Acts series. We're going to go through the book of Acts all the way from the beginning to the end. And in our Acts series, we're going to take a couple pauses, but we really feel like this is a really important um, thing to do, just go through one book of the Bible and really dive into it. But we're pausing here because we're going to talk about why Acts was even written. We're going to be using this scripture as our theme verse, um, which is going to be Matthew 28, 19. It's go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that command from Jesus at the very end of his ministry, right before he goes into heaven, is the reason the book of Acts is even written. Like what Jesus tells them and what Jesus has commanded them to do right there makes them, pushes them to go out and to create all of these churches in all of these different areas so it's spread all across the world so that you can sit here today 2,000 years later. Isn't that so cool? So I want to talk about that because our series uh, for this, just these two weeks is called Therefore Go because I believe this. And you might not believe this with me, but I strongly believe this. is as a church, and I don't mean just as a church as like, oh, the big church or anything like that. I believe even here as new beginnings at the Norco campus, we have... Began, begun to become a little distracted into going out and we've become a little inward focused instead of outward focused. And so I want to hopefully give you some pointers and some tips and some reasons why it is so important for us to go out and to make disciples, to go out and to talk about the gospel and to know what the gospel is, that we were once sinners, that Jesus came to pay the price for us, that when he did pay that price, he closed that gap between us and God so that we could come into relationship with God, that all of our sins could be forgiven and we could become righteous before his eyes. That is what I want to talk to you about, why that's so important. So before we do that, just I need you to think right now, just in your head, do you have any moments? in your life that you can refer back to just so quickly like you could tell me the smells of what was happening I'm going to give you let me give you an example I remember the first time I ever had creme brulee do you remember do you know what creme brulee is it sounds like this very fancy dessert right and so as a as a as a me kind of person I'm not really into like anything that sounds like it's too fancy right like that just seems like oh, I don't know but when it's dessert like I'm down for dessert like I'm good whatever and I remember I went to a student's birthday party and her dad was a cook and he, and he had done all this Southern food. So there was like fried chicken and gumbo and all this other kind of stuff. And he goes, would you like some creme brulee? It's dessert. If he had said, would you like some creme brulee? I would have said no, but he said, it's dessert. And so I said, of course I would like some of that. <laughs> and he brings it out in that little dish. I had never seen creme brulee before. He brings it out in that little dish, right? And then he does the coolest thing. Every guy in here loves whenever this stuff happens. We don't even care. He brings out a torch. And go right and he caramelizes that top I'm in now I'm like dessert on fire what are we doing out here man is that what creme brulee stands for like what is this and I remember I got it and I was already excited and so I took took my spoon and I had a little bite and it was just like the texture the sweetness everything was so good it was like the best creme brulee I've ever had I've never had creme brulee like that ever again in my life and I remember I was my mind was blown and they give you such a little dish like what is that should be like five of these things I finished that thing quick 
And I remember, but I can remember everything about that day, that creme brulee. I remember, um, I remember the first time I ever drove through a drive-thru. Do you remember when you got your license? I had a license and a job. I was winning in life at this point. And I was 16 or 17, had my license, had a job. And I remember the, I had a debit card from Golden One because yeah, I know. It wasn't a visa. It was only from a Tascadero. It was the only bank apparently. And, uh, and, I had, and I had this debit card. And I remember I was like, I had just got my license. I drove my little Mazda 626 stick shift to church. And I said, I'm going to go through a drive-thru. For the first time in my life, I'm going to get what I want from the drive-thru. I'm not going to have my mom pick the five cheese. Remember when like McDonald's would do like cheeseburgers for like 39, 29 cents? Bring that back. We're in a recession, right? Like we need that. I need that to live. So my mom would do that, right? She would get the bucket of fries. I'm like all the 30 and 40 year olds, bucket of fries and all the 39 cent cheeseburgers. I never got to pick what I wanted from a drive-thru because I had to do this with my family. And I remember I'm gonna pick what I want. And so I drove through a KFC as I have no standards. And, um, and I got popcorn chicken. And I can remember everything about that. Why? Because it was like this big old moment in my life. And I have other moments, right? I remember the first time I ever saw Amy, my wife. I remember that time that, you know, we just got to college. I saw her. I was like, this girl is gorgeous. She had a boyfriend. I was like, I can handle that. So it was good. Like, we're good. We got, I can do this. I remember the first time I became a father, all, all you parents, when you became a father and mother and you held your baby and you were both so excited and absolutely terrified, right? I like didn't move. I was just like stuck like this. I was like, I will not hurt this child or nothing else will hurt this child, right? Like that was, I remember all those moments. And one of my favorite moments of my life, I remember is the day that I knew Jesus was real. It was one of the favorite moments of my life. I was probably 12 years old. I went to a summer camp with my youth group. I didn't know anyone else really at the church at that point. I was so young and not a lot of the other younger guys went. So I was kind of hanging out with like, you know, the, I was seventh grade, so like the eighth grade, ninth graders. I was kind of hanging out in that realm. And, and I remember like, I couldn't tell you what the song was. I couldn't tell you what the speaker said. I couldn't tell you anything like that, but I could tell you exactly what that chapel looked like. I could tell you that like the back had all windows. I could tell you like kind of like there was no stage. So it was just kind of like the band was right there. And I sat like in the fourth or fifth row back. I don't know what was said or what happened or anything like that. But I remember going to the front and I remember feeling the presence of God as that 12 year old kid. And that's why I think youth ministry and kids ministry is so important because they have these moments that are just so important in their lives. And they have them such as young, as young kids and young teenagers and I remember having that moment. And I remember what the smell was like. I remember what the feeling was like. I remember that I felt like, okay, like I, I can, like someone's with me. I'm not alone. There was things going on in my household, all kinds of stuff. And I just remember, I can get through this. I'm going to be all right. Man. And the problem is this, for some of you, you have that same moment, right? Like if I ask some of you Christians, like, do you remember that moment? You could go back. Maybe it was in your 12, maybe it was just a couple years ago, whatever the case is. You could go back to that moment, but to be honest, that's where the gospel stayed for you, was in that moment. The gospel for you is that day in your life where you knew God was real and you gave your life to Jesus and you raised your hand or you looked up at Pastor Jim or whatever the case was for you, and that's where it stayed. It is just a moment in your life. It's like your salvation shot. 
You're like, all right, I have the Lord. So if I sin, all the sin virus is going to go away because I raised my hand that one day. And so I'm good. Now all I have to do is be a good person and wait for Jesus to come back or for me to pass away. And I know I'm going to get to heaven. And that for you is the full gospel. That's all you're in here for. It is this moment that you look back on that you're like, here, here it is. It was, remember, I did get saved. I wrote in my Bible, I have my birthday. This is okay. I'm fine. I'm saved. And that's where the gospel kind of is for you. It's a moment in your past that you can look back on with a memory and a thought and feel good about it. And there's a problem in that because the gospel cannot be a moment in your life. It has to be your motivation to move forward. The gospel cannot be a moment that you look back on. It has to be your motivation to move forward. The gospel cannot be a moment that you say, look, I did this way back here. It has got to be the reason that you do everything in life. Because of what Jesus did for you, it determines what kind of father you're going to be, what kind of mother you're going to be. It determines what kind of worker you're going to be. It determines how you handle conflict. It determines how you handle stress. It determines how you handle your finances. The gospel is so powerful that it cannot be a moment that you look back on and just say, well, look, my sins were forgiven, so I'm good. It has to be my motivation for everything that I do moving forward. And unfortunately, that command that Jesus gave us to therefore go and make disciples of all nations, we've kind of looked at that and said, eh, okay, maybe. Maybe you even say this, I'm not really cut out for stuff like that. That's not how God made me. I can't really go out and do something like that. We're going to talk about that in a second. You just say, well, that moment that I had back there, I'm good. Now I'm with Jesus. I'm fine. And I'm telling you this. The gospel cannot be a moment that you look back on. It has got to be the gas in your car that presses you forward, that moves you forward. It's got to be your motivation for every single thing that you do. So now is it? If it's not, then right here, I need you to understand this is what we're talking about. That this church exists for the gospel. That your life exists for the gospel. That everything we'll do, everything, every pumpkin tailgate, every Christmas thing, everything we do, I'll be honest, is not so that I can do something cool for your kids, even though that happens. It's so that you can invite your, your friends' kids or your kids' friends or their parents or whoever it is to come into a place where they can come to church. I'll be, just to be totally transparent, it's one of the reasons why pumpkin tailgate this year is not at night. We want you to have an opportunity, parents, because your kids are going to get invites for their friends to come to Pumpkin Tailgate. We don't want them to say, well, I'm just going to come at night and never come back to church again. We want you to have the reason, the opportunity to say, hey, why don't you just come to second service or first service, and then we can go out to lunch and then come back, and we can do this big event. Me and you can hang out. It'll be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. There's other things going on that night. Maybe you're trick-or-treating, maybe whatever, but maybe you could just come here and hang out. Like We are about creating opportunities for you to invite your, your friends and your kids' friends and whoever you can to a place where they can hear the gospel. That's why we do it. It's not so that we can make you comfortable. Don't throw anything at me. And that's what we want to talk about today. Because Jesus, at the very end of his ministry, said, therefore, go and make disciples. But he wasn't playing. He wasn't kidding. He didn't, like, fake us out. Have you ever had someone, like, say, oh, this is going to be fine. It's going to be cool. And then at the end, they're like, hey, actually, you're going to do a whole lot of work. Have you ever had someone, like, pull a switch on you like that? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, from the very beginning, said, this is going to be the whole reason I come here. 
I'm going to hang out with you and then I'm going to send you out. And that's what we're going to look at today. So would you right now just bow your head, close your eyes. We're going to pray for the rest of the service. I know I'm talking fast right now. Apologies. There'll be subtitles later. But just right now, just try to hear what I'm saying. Father, Holy Spirit, you work in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, use the words that I'm saying that I feel you have given me to preach to our church today. Use those words to help motivate us and move us so that we can become examples and makers. And God, we can go out and proclaim the gospel to our friends and our family that do not know you yet. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so our scripture we're going to be hanging out with today is Matthew chapter 4. So go ahead, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 18. We're going to go through verse 22. If you don't have your Bibles, um, there'll be the words on the screen, but we're going to read this really quick, then I'm going to explain it. It says, the first disciples, that's what my, my title says. It says, now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, for those of you who have never been to church, I just need to preface this really quick because there, there are some assumptions that happen in church that that the writers of these gospels would assume you already knew but then when we read them 2,000 years later we're like man that looks really weird because doesn't that look like Jesus played like a Jedi mind trick on like two sets of brothers right there doesn't it kind of look like that like Jesus is like hey come with me and they're like okay like like it look like like these are not the droids you're looking for right like it kind of looks really strange right this is let me just set this up that more than likely more than likely I never, I never put out the realm of possibility of miracles and anything like that. So I'm going to say more than likely, according to most scholars, that these men knew Jesus and Jesus knew who these men were, both sets of brothers. In fact, in the Gospel of John, you'll see that, that one set of brothers was already a disciple of, of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. So he kind of already knows who Jesus is. They've talked already, all that kind of stuff. And so these guys know who Jesus is. They probably had conversations Jesus knows, you know, kind of their mindset. They know him. They probably ask him questions. They say, teacher, what do you think about this? They've had all these conversations. But it comes a point where Jesus is walking by and he says, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And both sets of brothers decide, all right, because of what I've heard Jesus say and because I believe in who he is, I am now going to leave everything and follow him. And that's something you have to see. When he says, follow me, what do they do? They drop their nets, right? There's symbolism there. When they say, follow me, they drop everything. Everything that has been their identity, they drop their, they, they have to leave their family, right? Because Zebedee's in the boat and his two sons are right there. And they leave their nets and their father. They leave every, every, uh, everything behind. They don't hold anything. They don't, they don't, none of them goes, hey, you know, I'm just gonna bring a net, like just in case. I, like with Jesus, he's like, hey, there's no plan B here. Follow me. Leave everything behind. Empty your hands so I can put new things in your hands. And too many of us try to follow Jesus, but take our nets. God will follow you, but I just got a lot of baggage. He goes, no, 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 no. I can't, like, you can't, you can't take that. 
follow me. Well, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I just got all this, all this other things that I got to get done first. Like I got to, I got to have a right career and I got to, I got to know, you know, kind of what my, my 401k plan is. And I got to make sure, you know, I got to make sure I buy that house, Jesus. And, and I got to make sure I work a little bit more overtime so I can pay for this and that. And it's, and he's just like, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, follow me. Drop everything you have holding in your hands drop every every identity that you think you are drop every drop every uh, uh like pride issue you think you have drop every self-doubt you think you have and you follow me now i'm not about to like do an altar call of like who's going to quit their job tomorrow like we're not doing that so everybody just don't freak out okay but i am saying this every old thing that you had man you better be willing to let that go and i will tell you this and i'll challenge you in this those little decisions that you make to make yourself comfortable, you better be ready to drop them if Jesus asks you to. Every little security blanket you have, right? To make sure that things go just your way so you have just enough money and that you buy just the right house, you better be prepared to drop it when Jesus asks you to. Because there's no, there's no kind of a Christian. It's like being kind of pregnant. It don't work, right? It's not working like that. Jesus says, drop everything. And for you, those of you that are really concerned about what I mean, drop everything, drop every self-doubt, all that kind of stuff. I want you to see, do you, did you pay attention to that next phrase Jesus said? He says, and I will make you into fishers of men. Did Jesus say, hey, you guys have like some really good talent. You got like really great leadership capability. Like I see how you talk. You're awesome, man. I think I could do something with that. Would you follow me? No. Does he say, hey, listen, I, I've seen what you have. I've seen the, how much money you have. I, I've seen how much, how much stuff you have. I see how much talent and ability you have. You should follow me. No. He says, you follow me, I will make you into something. And so for those of you that are sitting there with a lot of self-doubt saying, Jesus can't, Jesus can't, Jesus doesn't want me. Why would he want me? I'm, not, I'm a quiet kid. I'm a nothing person. I'm a not special person. I'm, I'm not, these are four fishermen. And Jesus is like, hey, follow me. I will make you into fishers of men. I will take what you think you're good at and I will give you real calling. And I'm gonna just say, this is like a quick sidebar. As a youth pastor, I did far too much teaching of calling, of saying like, hey, just pray. And God's gonna tell you exactly what you need to do as if like your calling was like, all right, Jesus is calling some of you to be a businessman. Jesus is calling some of you to be rich. Jesus call like, let me tell you what your calling is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just put it just flat. You all have different areas where you should be, different mission fields, but every single person here, if you call yourself a Christian, your calling is to proclaim the gospel. That's your calling. So teenager, if you're worried about, man, what's my calling? What does God want me to do? I can tell you right now that today, tomorrow, and forevermore, your calling will be to proclaim the gospel. It might change where you do it. You might do it in the army. You might do it in the workplace. You might be a pastor where you have to go and build and equip others to go and perform that calling. Whatever the case is, your calling of what you're supposed to do, whether you're 15 or you're 70,000 years old, that it does not matter until you go home to be with the Lord, your calling in life is to proclaim the gospel, is to reach people for Jesus. That is your calling. So Jesus says, I will make you into these fishers of men. You don't need to worry about, you know, what you're gonna take. We're, I'm gonna make you into these fishers of men. 
Now, how is he going to do that? How does God call us? How does Jesus make us into fishermen? What does it look like to be a fisher of men? And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I'm not going to claim, and listen, is there any like real fishermen here that like actually fish? Go ahead, raise your hand. Be honest too. Don't be like, I sometimes fish. Perfect. For the five of you, please don't judge me, all right? I'm going to say a lot of like basic knowledge about fishing that I actually don't know that much about. So if you're like, that's not how you do it, just roll with it, okay? The rest of us don't care. Okay, we're good. I just need to say that. I'm going to be up here being judged. So, um, so the first thing you have to do when you're, a, when you're a fisherman or you're a fisher of men is you have to separate yourself. Now, as a fisherman like this, and I'm just going with the basic knowledge of what I've seen, most people will go out and they will fish one or two people. If you have like a crowd, a party around you and you're trying to fish, I'm fairly certain that most of the time those fish ain't coming to you, right? It's too loud, too noisy, whatever. Again, this is basic knowledge, okay? And as a Christian, there is a calling to separate yourself from the world. This is what I say. To be a real fisherman, you have to separate yourself from the world because can I tell you this? Fish can't fish. Fish can't fish. If you're so of the world that you think it's okay, everything's gonna just work out, people are just gonna come to Jesus because you're there, even though you look just like them, fish can't fish. No fish is gonna follow some other fish, even if that fish goes to church on Sunday morning. Honestly, even if that fish owns a Bible. No one is going to follow you in your life if your life does not look different from theirs. If your life looks basically the same except for a little bit on your Sunday schedule, it ain't gonna matter. Fish can't fish. And, and let me speak here to my, my friends who have grown up in church, because this is me. Because when we say separate yourself, I'm, I'm a kid who grew up in church. When we say separate yourself, man, as a kid growing up in church, I always felt separate. There are songs I have no idea what the songs are. Every hip-hop song from the 90s, I do not know, unless it's Christian hip-hop, okay? If you know T-Bone, T-Boney Bone Corleone, then I know me and you have, have a vibe, all right? We're good. But I don't know, I don't know any, like, I don't know any Biggie Small songs, like, to be honest. And that's like, I should know that. Like, if I was in the world, I should know that, right? I, I know Salty the Singing Songbook. I don't really know Barney. I, I don't really watch any Barney. Salty the Singing Songbook, all right? That's what I know. Yes, all my, yes. Okay, so, so for those of you that have lived that life, the ones that grew up in church, when we see separate yourself, we get a little uneasy because we were so separated as kids like we couldn't do anything, say anything, don't, don't say certain words, all that kind of stuff. And we lived over here, but then we saw what was going on in the church, all the judgment, all the gossip, all the stuff that was happening. And we're like, well, this really isn't that big of a deal. Like this just seems, I'm just not doing a lot of things. This is basically me being a Christian is just not doing all this stuff, but y'all can do whatever you want as long as you don't cuss about it. Like I didn't really get that. So then as I got older, what I started to see was all my friends that did grow up in church, they started being like, well, Hey man, I'm not just well hang around here. I could still be a Christian. In fact, I'm a better Christian than some of these people over here. But I just kind of hang out with these people because I don't want them to think that I'm as judgmental as I feel from these people. And they start to get closer and closer and they start to do the same things that the world does. And it's just like, it's fine. And then they use, and this is, and listen, I've used the same thing. So I'm not trying to cast judgment on you or anything, but I, I just, I know what you're thinking is then you say, well, didn't Jesus hang out with sinners? 
which is totally true. Jesus did hang out with sinners. Jesus did hang out with sinners. But Jesus didn't hang out with sinners just to hang out with sinners so he looked kind of like the sinners. In fact, what did Jesus say when he was hanging out with sinners and the Pharisees said, hey, how come you're sitting with them? He says, hey, who needs a doctor, the sick or the well? He's calling them sick in their own house. He's saying like, hey, these people need me. I'm, gonna, I'm so different. I'm the doctor to their sickness. That I'm, so I'm here and I'm speaking truth in the middle of the house. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, hey, I'm just trying to be cool. So, they, his, so I'm gonna shotgun this beer really quick and then I'm just gonna tell him about who I am. Like he's not doing that. He's so separate from what their life is that they're amazed that he would even show up. And too many times for people that are my age or people that just grew up in church, it was like, hey, I just wanna kind of look like this because I don't wanna look judgmental when that really wasn't the reason. We just got a little enamored with what the world had. And let me tell you, fish can't fish. And there is a call to be set apart, to be holy, to separate ourselves a little bit. If you drink the same amount that you did before you got saved, you get, I should say this, if you get drunk as much as you did before you got saved, if you cuss as much as you did before you got saved, if you do all these, and I know I'm, lame, I'm naming superficial things, believe me, I'm gonna bring it all back in the end. But if your life looks just like everyone else's world, except for the fact that you go to church on Sunday, then this is wrong. Then guess what? Fish can't fish. Now, I did a lot of really surfacey things right there. And I'm, again, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to give you the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Because over here, I got something to say. If you handle your stress and your anger and your gossip the same way the world does, that's a no-go here. If your life was not changed and transformed by this scripture right here, by the gospel, by what it says for us to do, then how could you say the gospel is moving you forward if you can't even obey what the word says? Some of you don't even show up to our other service. You switch services because you got beef with someone in the second service. Honestly, you don't show up to second service because there's someone there you can't stand. And even though this word clearly states that if you have something against someone else, you're supposed to go to them and, and forgive that brother and make amends with that brother. And if you can't do that, then you go and you bring in someone else and all, all the way up to where the pastor and the board are getting involved. You don't do that, right? You're just like, I'll just switch services. You're saying the gospel motivates you, but you'll switch a service just to not deal with that. That's an issue. How is that any different from someone else in the world? We have got to live separate. We cannot handle our stress. We cannot handle when things don't go our way any, in any way, shape, or form like the world does because how is that any different from the things that are going on in the world? We have to separate ourselves in the way we handle things, handle conflict, handle stress, how we handle, how we handle politics, how we handle anything that goes on. We have to be different or we're no different and we're just fish trying to catch fish. Spurgeon says it like this, for it is another and higher miracle to make us who we were, who were fished to become fishers, to make the saved one saviors, to make the convert into a converter, the receiver of the gospel into an imparter of the same gospel to other people. This is a miracle that happens when you can separate yourself and start reaching out and saying people like, look, your life can be different from the way the world does it. Do you want this peace? Do you want this forgiveness? Do you want to be able to look at an enemy and not think horrible thoughts, but look at an enemy and say, I just know 
I know that I need to love them, not so that I can heap coals on them, but so they can come into the same knowledge of the gospel that I have. So that's the first thing, separate yourself. The second thing is to prepare the nets. So you'll see both, both, uh, both brothers are using nets. This is the kind of net they're using. Well, not this kind because I bought this on Amazon, so I'm pretty sure they didn't do that. But it's a circular net that looks like this. At least if you're fishing from the shore. It's a circular net that would look like this. And these wouldn't be, this is obviously just plastic and metal, but this would be like pebbles and this would be all hand woven and all kinds of stuff. And you would throw it out, you would catch it, pull it back in. You could do this from the shore. There are bigger ones. This is a really small one. They were probably more like nine feet across, looked a little bit like this. And, uh, and then you had ones for the boats, there are drag nets, all that kind of stuff, right? Different ways to fish. In order to be a fisher of men, just like if you were being a, fisher, a fisherman, in order to be a fisher of men, you have to prepare the net. What are the second set of brothers doing? They're mending the nets, right? They're taking their time. They're, they're patching up all the holes. A lot of us don't talk about what's going on with the gospel because of this. We are not confident in our nets. There are holes in this net. I put holes in it. You can't see it very well, but there are holes in this net. I probably wouldn't feel very confident throwing this net into the water, not just because I'm not a fisherman, but also just because this net's not any good anymore. I put a bunch of holes in it. And for some of you, you're worried about talking about Jesus because in your own life, there are holes in your net. There are gaps in the way that you view life, that you view the gospel, that you view the word that you cannot really comprehend. And there are holes there that you have not mended yet. And so when I talk about, hey, go out and just tell people about Jesus, you're like, man, I just don't feel, I don't feel like I can I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like, I feel like my net has a bunch of holes in it. And you're more worried about like, man, what if they ask me that one hard question? What if I don't have the answer to that? Or man, I just don't know my Bible that well. Or, I, or you have all these reasons why there's a bunch of holes in your net. And so I'm telling you this, to be a good fisher of men, you've got to prepare your net. How do you do that? Two ways. Number one, you got to be in community. If you're trying to live your Christian life by just showing up here on Sunday morning, not talking to anybody, not knowing anybody, all that kind of stuff, I'm telling you right now, that's a big hole in your net because you don't have other people sharpening you up. Iron sharpens iron, right? You don't have other people lifting you up. You don't have other people calling you out on the things that are going on in your life. And you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna wing it. It's gonna be fine. I'm telling you, one of the biggest holes that we have in our net today is that you are not in community. And we have two ways for you to get in community in this church. Number one, you could be on a serve team. You'll notice that if you serve at New Beginnings, that we don't just be like, hey, here's your job description and please show up on time and do your job and then leave. Like we do prayer requests, we do devotionals, we have time for you to talk to the other people. Like we want you, in fact, today, right in here, we had someone for the first time and they're, they're like, hey, I just think this is, I don't wanna be like, uh, like kind of like, you know, being all personal on my first day, but it was like, that's exactly what you want to be. We want you the first time you show up to, to a serve team to be personal on that first day. We want to know what's going on in your life. Why? Because we want to be able to do life with you. We want to be able to have community with you. And if you need to have community by serving with one another and by doing a project together, because you like community like that, we have that for you. 
So joining a serve team is one of the biggest reasons why we do that is so that you have community around people that are all shared around the same common goal and you're moving forward. So we have, we have serve teams and the, last th- and the next thing we have is life groups. We have some amazing life groups that if you were going to NBCC.com and go to under life groups, you're gonna see a list of life groups with people who want to do life with you. They're gonna talk about the sermon. They're gonna do prayer requests. Some of our life groups will like challenge you. They'll be like, hey, you're gonna do the scripture reading today. They're gonna move you forward. And it's so important for you to understand that community gives you different perspectives it helps you answer questions you pitch out things out there that says hey like i'm struggling with this and they're like hey you can do this this and this that is why community is so important so stop trying to do this on your own and get into a christian community a lot of you are in communities right but the work communities and football communities and an online community and uh i like you know (laughs) they're just all different kinds of ones but you haven't gotten into the most important community which is your church community which is someone that's gonna help you and lift you up and give you advice and give you something that's gonna say, hey, let's go. Like, you can do this. Like, this is gonna give you encouragement when you need it. So there's two ways that you can get in the community. That's one of the holes in your net. The next thing is you need to continue to grow. And that means outside of this. This book, now, and it's not just, hey, read your Bible and pray, even though those are great, two great foundational things that you need to do. But man, I hope you read it. If this is the most, I'm trying to tell you, this is the most important thing. This gospel informs every single decision of your life. And if you are not reading a book about it, if you are not listening to podcasts about it, if you're not taking time and, and, and thinking about how is it, how am I gonna learn and grow? How am I gonna learn about the history? How am I gonna, if this is really not that important to you, then how could it be the main motivation of your life? If you're going to say, hey, I need to mend this net, if you want to be confident in that net, you need to continue to grow. The pastors have great books for you to read uh, that, you, that you can read, podcasts for you to listen to, any ways to grow your faith. We have midweek that happens every Tuesday that you can show up or you can watch later online. Again, life groups and serve groups are another way to continue to grow, but you have to continue to grow. Don't tell us this is the most important thing in your life. This will change your whole life and then really not know that much about it continue to grow you want to prepare your net be in community and continue to grow now once you have once you're not a fish anymore and you have a pretty good net right once those two things are set then the last thing you need to do is you just need to have the courage and it's so easy to say the words have courage but every single one of us knows that when something has been pressed in our hearts and we knew we were supposed to do something, we know the struggle that happens of just saying, I don't want to, I want to do this, but I don't want to do that. Have you ever had that? I'm good with, I want to proclaim the gospel, but I don't want to do that. I'll tell you one of the, I have a million stories of how I failed at this. So I'll tell you one of the only ones that I've done. I was 17 years old, maybe 18 years old. It's my last year in high school. And the, the church and, and my youth group was talking about, um, you know, praying for people when they're hurt, all that kind of stuff. It was all about, hey, like proclaiming the gospel, praying for others. So I'm sitting in my science class and my teacher walks in, Mr. Hollis. And Mr. Hollis walks in and he has a limp. And he has this limp and he's walking in, and he's kind of hurt. And, uh, and I see him walk in, was my favorite teachers. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, you should pray for him. And I was like, please let that be the pizza I ate at lunch. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was praying for. Please don't let this be the, the Lord. I don't want to do this. 
I want to proclaim the gospel, but I don't want to do this, right? In all class, I'm, I'm battling back and forth. I should do it. No, I shouldn't. It'll look weird. I know, but God told me to do it. But this is going to be really, really strange. I know Mr. Hollis doesn't believe in God. Like, we've talked about that before. Uh, I think you should do it. So I'm like, all right, finally, I come. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And end of class, and I do that, you know that slow packing up your backpack? I don't know if everyone knows this, but... I don't know. I don't know if they had backpacks for some of you, but um, <laughs> packing up my backpack, right? It was like, so you could, you do this to like walk out of the class with a girl you like a lot of times. Like, so you do like the timing. So I'm like being, I'm like acting like I dropped something. I pick it up, like do the whole thing. Everybody leaves class and I walk up to Mr. Haas and I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm like super awkward. I'm awkward now. Just imagine me 17. Um, I go, hey, uh, you hurt your leg. <laughs> he goes, yeah, clearly. Um, I go, oh man, that sucks. Um, can I pray for you? <laughs> like, just like that. And he looked at me with like, these, these eyes of pity of like, oh, this guy has to do it for like probably some Jesus points or something like that. Like this poor kid, like, he's probably like in a club or something. <laughs> like, he's got him, it's like a scavenger hunt. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know what he thought, but he definitely looked like with pity eyes at me. And he goes, sure. And I go, all right. And then I put my hand on the shoulder when I don't think he was expecting, because I don't think, you should know this. Like when you go to pray for people, some of them don't expect him to touch, like you to touch them. So you should just like have that in your head. So I put my hand on the shoulder, he kind of looks and I was like, but I just kept it there. And I go, and I do this prayer. I say, Jesus, uh, thanks for Mr. Hollis. Please help his knee. Amen. And then I was like, cool, thanks. And I left. And I was like, as, as quick as possible. I just, woo, out of there. And, uh, and I come back the next day and listen, like I'm a teenage boy, right? And I have no idea what I did the day before. And so he walks in with no limp. I don't have any recollection of what happened. Like I'm so, I'm like, whatever, man. And then he like, he gets up and he gets up in front of the whole class and he goes, Charlie, look, my leg. And I was like, like that, like I had like, in fact, I had to like do like a quick like, dude, what is he talking about? And the whole class is looking at me like, dude, what did, why does Charlie care that much about his leg? And I was like, I don't know guys. And, and I just remember like there was this really cool healing that took place because I was submissive to the Holy Spirit and I just had to have the courage to step forward. And that sometimes is the most important thing for us is just to have the courage. Because if we don't have the courage, if we know we have good nets, if we know everything else is in place and we just don't have the courage, how is anybody gonna know who Jesus is? You look around this room right now, you'll see a bunch of empty chairs. I love empty chairs. Do you know why? Because those are people that need to be here. And I never wanna get to a spot where we feel like, hey, we're just, we're so full, no one else can come in. I always want there to be empty chairs here. Do I want there to be this many empty chairs here? No, I want them full. But I don't want there to ever be none. Because once there's none, then somebody's going to walk in here and feel like, I guess they don't have room for me. And I never want that feeling to happen to anyone. So if this place gets 80% full, we'll do more chairs. If it gets 80% full again, we'll do another service and another service until everybody that you have in your life that needs to hear about the gospel gets that opportunity. But that's not going to happen if we're so inward focused and worried about, well, man, pumpkin tailgate isn't called something that I like to, God isn't called trunk or treat or, or man, like I wish worship looked this way. It's not gonna happen if we're so inward focused on what you think you want from church and we're not outward focused of like, this isn't even about me anymore. This is about reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ that they can know too. 
that doesn't matter where they are, how much sin they think they've committed, that they can come back in here. Uh, this, this might be too big for some of our brains this early in the morning, but Pastor Michael said this. He goes, I can't believe, he, he, and he was quoting someone else that I can't remember who he was quoting, but he said, some people believe that their sin is worse than how great God is, that their sin is somehow bigger than the grace of God, and that is never the case. And not only does that person have to know that, you have to know that too. Never tell yourself, that person will never come to church. It'd just be a waste of my time. We need to get back into having the courage and the boldness to go out and to tell people about who Jesus is. We need to live lives that are so different from other people that people see the difference and they'll be drawn in to what we believe in. We need to have our nets prepared by being in community and continuing to grow so that when we have those discussions and we talk about those things, that we are able to answer some of the questions, some of the difficult life questions that are going on in our world right now. But that's not gonna happen unless we make the gospel our motivation to move forward and stop making it a moment that we look back on. It's not gonna happen until we have that mindset. So as we end today, I'm gonna have everyone bow your head, close your eyes. I'm gonna offer the gospel to those of you in this room right now that if you've either walked away from Jesus or for the first time you wanna come back and you wanna receive that good news. So if today you wanna receive the good news of the gospel, you wanna say, Pastor Charlie, I'm a sinner, but I wanna be saved from those sins. I wanna be redeemed back to the Father and I want my life to be motivated not by money or by power but by this gospel if that's you today I just want you to raise your head and look at me I see you keep your eyes up on me I see you for those that looked up at me, I just want you to go ahead, bow your head, close your eyes. You're gonna repeat these words that I'm gonna say. In fact, all of us are gonna repeat these words, repeat this prayer with our, with our brothers and sisters that, that just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Just repeat these words after me. Father, forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Redeem me and use me. Father, right now I pray that you would just work in the minds and the hearts of those that are in this room today, that Father, that you would restore in us a passion to be outward focused. That God, those that just accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and are allow the Holy Spirit to move them, to redeem them, to push them, not, not back as a moment that they would look back on this day, push them forward into obeying your word and your gospel that God, we would be able to see more and more people come to Jesus Christ. So God, we offer you this time. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Can you all stand up with me? Pastor Jim started this thing a couple weeks ago. I guess he had done it before, but not since I've been here. And I feel like it is important that every day that we walk out of this room, that we repeat this prayer all together. So that when we leave this room, we know that church doesn't end. That every day we leave here, it is an opportunity for us to look outward and to proclaim the gospel. So repeat after me, Lord, Lord 
Keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church and make me into a generous person like you. If you need prayer today or if you got saved today and you need just to go and, and talk to somebody about the Lord, go right over here to my left, your right. Other than that, thank you guys so much. We'll see you all next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.